This is an Area Code podcast. Welcome back to Feel for the Game, the sports podcast where we talk about our feelings. I am Nick. You stuttered there like you forgot who you were. <laughs> no, uh, I'm still Nick. I'm still okay, Nick. you're still Nick and I'm still Noah. Yep. We're not uh, switching roles or getting uh, our jobs taken by anyone else just yet. Just it hasn't yet. happened just We're not doing that to you. You can tell no. me that I'm Noah based off of my annoying voice and you can tell that Nick is Nick based off of his more coherent and intelligent takes. <laughs> well, we're back. We're going to hit you with another episode uh, of nostalgic basketball conversation about why things that happened years ago are still significant today. But before we get into that, Noah, what, what's been happening in the sports world? doesn't have to be basketball related. What's been happening in the last couple of days since we recorded that you've been enjoying or just feeling good about? So the WNBA started their 25th season, 30, no 25th, yeah, started their 25th season, and it was just really fun to watch some of those games. Like, Candace Parker came home, she's in Chicago, well she's, from, Nap- she's from Naperville, and from it my counts. understanding people in Chicago don't really like Naperville. We're, uh, Candace Parker gets a pass, she gets Candace a pass. Parker okay. gets a pass. So she came home and she played just phenomenally in their first game, the Sky's yep. first game, uh, that was a really fun game to watch. And then you had Sabrina Ionescu, who is like the next big thing. Hit a she huge is the buzzer big beater. She, I mean, she's a big thing right now, but this is only her second year in the league. Yeah, for sure. And, but the first game this year, she hits a huge buzzer beater. Diana Taurasi, the absolute GOAT of, <laughs> of the WNBA, hits a very controversial buzzer beater because the, the clock stopped and people weren't really sure what was going on. And then the Seattle Storm coming off their championship last year. Brianna Stewart, who might, she might be my favorite player in the WNBA. I like Sabrina Inescu a lot, and I love Asia Wilson in Las Vegas. But I've always really liked Brianna Stewart, even when she was at UConn. Uh, she had a huge, she had like 28 and 15 or something like that in their first game. Yeah. So it, She's, it, was, it she, was fun to watch those games. Yeah, I agree. I, I got to watch the Chicago Sky game, and I caught bits and pieces of other, some of those other games. And yeah, it's, there's a lot of talent in the WNBA, and I'm going to do my best to, try to keep up this year and uh but i'm excited uh, i got to watch steph curry this weekend and mm-hmm. i mean i just i don't i i cannot we're gonna talk about a guy today that when i watch Steph, i get i i feel um a lot of i i feel a sense of connection to the to the guy that we're going to talk about today because steph is just the type of player that does not look like he should be as good as he is, but he is amazing and just it it is unfair. I like I, I watch him go one on one against guys, and it just does not seem fair. Like he just gets the upper hand every single time, and uh, it was so fun to watch him go up against John Morant. John Morant called him the MVP of the of the league. If it was up to him, LeBron did the same thing after well, the after the game on Sunday. Not it's not up to the, it's not up to them. He probably won't win MVP, but it, I I think it, it just says a lot about how talented he is. And mm-hmm. he's I mean he's my favorite player to watch. I love it. Yeah, what you're saying about Steph and how like watching him one on one isn't fair. It's true for both the person we're going to talk about today. It's also true about me. But in the inverse, 
that it was <laughs> wasn't fair for me one on one against most dudes because they were just cooking me. Well, let's get into it. Let's let, we don't have to delay it any further. Let's get into it. Let's look at the score with our segment. What's the score? Rebound goes to the Cavs. J.R. Smith brings it back out. Throws it to Hill. Hill shot blocked. And we'll go to overtime. You get the feeling J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. He didn't know the score. I think exactly. And today, talking about the answer. Talking about number three. A.I. Allen Iverson. Straight out of Georgetown. Yep. Specifically, we're going to look at the 2001 NBA Finals Game 1, Philadelphia 76ers, Allen Iverson's team, versus Los Angeles Lakers, led by Kobe Bryant and Shaq. Just to kind of like set the stage a little bit. Uh, yeah. Important things to know. So the Lakers came into the playoffs as the two seed because they were kind of started off slow. But then when they got to the playoffs went on a tear and were the, became the second team to make it to the finals without losing a game. They were a perfect 11-0 yeah. heading into the finals. And in that process, they swept the number one seed, San Antonio Spurs, like handily. Like they weren't even close games really. Like yeah. they just, they demolished the consensus best team in the league. On the other side, you have the 76ers, led by Allen Iverson and no one else. That was a team of just <laughs> Allen Iverson. Like you have Dikembe Mutombo, he's a legend. If but you're like, listening to this right now, pause and try to name four other players on that 2001. And, I just, and I've given team. you Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. There are two other names that you know, and that's it. And you and I, they're names that when you see them or whenever we mention them, because I'm sure they'll come up throughout this podcast, you're going to go, oh, shit, that guy. Yes, I know who that is. Um, but anyway, so it's game one. We're in L.A. Phil Jackson looking for... Uh, well, this is a, this is our, would have been a second championship, right? Yeah, this I think is, so. This would have been the second of back to back. So yeah, he's looking for what would have been his fifth or sixth championship after leaving the Bulls. And the Sixers, coached by Larry Brown, and everybody, get ready for your uh, to add to your tally. Former head coach at the University of Kansas. I think looking, we're at four. I think we're at we four. are. I've got I've got marked it down here. Was looking to become the first head coach to ever win a collegiate and NBA championship. Spoiler alert, doesn't do it this season. He will end up doing it in 2004 with the Detroit Pistons beating this same Lakers team. And the Sixers, on the other hand, very much, they struggled. They The yes. semifinals and the Eastern Conference Finals, they had to go seven games. So coming into this game, people were kind of expecting the Sixers to be maybe a little bit outmatched, maybe tired. Lakers were really fresh. And the game started off that way. They get out to like a 21 to 5 lead or something crazy like that. But then Allen Iverson goes off. He ends up having 30 first half points. 76ers themselves end up going up by 15 points in the second half. But then the fourth quarter hits and he gets locked down by Tyron Lue, which is surprising because A, no one was stopping Allen Iverson that year. He was the MVP. And Tyron Lue wasn't really known as a defensive player. But he shuts him down. He ends up only having three points in the fourth quarter, and we go to overtime. In overtime, Lakers get out to a seven-point lead, but then Allen Iverson hits seven straight, uh, or makes gets seven straight points, has seven straight points. We're tied up again. Then he in that he comes out, hits a three-pointer. They're up two. Minute five left. Sixers are bringing the ball up the court. 
Allen Iverson gets the ball in the corner, being guarded by Tyron Lue, the guy who's been locking him up for most of the second half. Hits him with a little shimmy shake crossover. Tyron Lue falls to the ground as Allen Iverson pulls up for a little 20-foot jumper in the corner. He makes it, looks down at Tyron Lue, and steps over him very disrespectfully, disrespectfully as he runs down the court. And the 76ers go on to win that game. Allen Iverson scores 48 points. And that is the only game Allen Iverson ever wins in the NBA Finals in his career. He never makes it back to the Finals. The Lakers go on to win the next four games and win their second championship. But that step over, that crossover, jump shot, step over, is one of the most iconic plays in NBA history. And that's the moment we're going to talk about today in the press conference. I I do want to, before we get into our next segment, the press conference, I do want to just shout out. So we're recording this. It won't come out for a while, but we're recording this a couple days after uh, the 2020 NBA Hall of Fame inductees just happened. So you mentioned the Pistons. Shout out to Ben Wallace. Undrafted player to make the Hall of Fame. Shout out to him. Defensive, I mean, one of the greatest defensive mm-hmm. centers we've ever had in the league. And then shout out to to Kobe. He's a part of this Lakers team. Uh, rest in peace to to Kobe. Watching, rewatching this game is is really... It's weird to to see Kobe. He's still wearing number eight at this point, yeah. but just to see him out here, he's raw. Like he's he's. I don't mean that in the. I mean that in the sense that he is. Um, you can see that he's not fully formed yet. He's still young in his career. He's really talented, but he's he makes a lot of plays. There's some turnovers and and just some mm-hmm. plays that you can tell that he hasn't really fully developed yet. And it's just really interesting to watch him at this point of his career, knowing what he ends up becoming, knowing that, you know, six years, seven years from now, he would never make those same mistakes or, or whatever. It was just interesting to watch him in this game. But so shout out to Kobe, also inducted into the Hall of Fame that, you know, with Ben Wallace and Kevin Garnett and, and Tim Duncan as well. And Tamika catching so many, so many legendary people and, and talent, but just, I feel like I had to say that. I, I probably went too long in saying that, but just shout out to those guys. Let's get into the press conference. Why are we, why, why are we talking about this? Why does it matter? This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Yeah, so we're talking about this because like I said, when we were setting it up and what's the score, it is one of the most iconic moments in NBA history. Definitely the most iconic moment of Allen Iverson's career. And probably the most iconic moment of the first decade of the 20, 2000s. There are other plenty of iconic moments in the NBA from this era. And I'm sure in the, the later half of the decade, there are some big moments as well. But this, in my, for my money, this is probably the most iconic moment. Um, so that's the reason we were kind of drawn to it. Also, we just love Allen Iverson. Like we want to get, <laughs> yeah. we want to give this dude his flowers while he's around. Cause he means a lot, not only to the game of basketball, but to just a lot of like the, the black community specifically from his time at Georgetown to just who he was in the NBA, the way he played the game mm-hmm. uh, meant a lot to, to that community and really inspired a lot of people to, play the game the way that they wanted to play it rather than trying to fit into a mold that they thought they had to to fit into. Yeah, I think part of part of why we wanted to to talk about this is because Allen Iverson in a lot of ways br- 
in the same way that we see now with Steph Curry, how he is absolutely changing the game, changing the way basketball is understood, changing the way basketball is played, uh, changing the way young players in high school and college are, are preparing for the game and training. Like in the same way that Steph Curry is doing that now, Allen Iverson did that in 96 when he came into the league and, and through the 2000s. Like the NBA, the way the game was played is vastly different because of Allen Iverson. Before he got into the league, um, players weren't playing the type of one-on-one freestyle of of game that he, that Allen Iverson is known for, right? Like there was a lot of, and Noah, you could probably talk about this more than I can because you're sort of a, a, a more of a, a basketball nerd when it comes to understanding different offensive styles and mm -hmm. defensive styles and things like that. But the game before Allen Iverson was you dump it into the post and everything was oriented around the big man. And there's a lot of off screen, uh, off ball screens and just kind of pick and pops and very basic style of play. I mean, and that might sound weird because you have guys like Jordan who was in the league and uh, Isaiah Thomas, there were guys that Magic Johnson, I mean, there were guys that had an element of their own style and flash, but for the most part, it was, it was still contained within the flow of the offense and what the coach was trying to, to do. Allen Iverson gets him to the league and that sort of all goes out the window. He wears what he wants to games. He, uh, talks the way he wants to talk in press conferences. And when he's on the court, he plays the way he only knows how to play, which is freestyle give me the ball and no one can guard me one-on-one -on -one. and that was uncommon in the 2000s that like early 2000s late 90s that was not commonplace yet and so part of the reason that this is such a important discussion that we wanted to have is because uh this crossover this moment is sort of emblematic of a changing of the guard and the way we understand basketball through the rest of the 2000s and even into to this decade or into this past decade where it's 2021, which is crazy. It's 2021, man. Yeah, this was 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. So yeah, I mean, he's changed the game in so many ways. And we can talk about, we can go a little bit into this. Like the, the two worst things that can happen to you on a basketball court, is you get dunked on or you get, you get crossed over to the point where you're on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. This happened to Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue now, like there's guys that watch NBA and only know Tyron Lue as a coach. If you are our age, Noah, you know Tyron Lue because he, he got, got crossed, crossed by Iverson. Mm -hmm. You don't know him as a coach. When, he, when, he, when he got announced as Cleveland's basketball coach, it's like, oh, that's the guy that got crossed. It was like the dude who got crossed up as a coach now. Like, I right. thought he went away in shame and just like hid forever in a cave somewhere. No, he's still around. So, this is significant because it is, it is um, maybe less less of an emotional sort of experience as a sports fan, but more of a, uh, it's more of a, a, a mark of a moment in sports history where everything sort of changed for the game. But then you also, if you, if you're a basketball player, you know how significant it is to either be on the receiving end of a crossover like this, or to hopefully be the one delivering it. And it lives forever. That never dies. Uh, and so we're we're doing what we can to keep this alive because it is such a significant type of play, uh, and the player that that completed it um, 
brought brought to the league a whole new sort of way of approaching the game. I want to I want to get into a little bit what I was saying earlier of like just the impact that he had outside of the game of basketball. So like some background on Allen Iverson got in some trouble when he was in high school and ends up going to Georgetown University head coach John Thompson who is just very very well known for uh, within the, like the black community as like a champion of helping those young men who were kind of forgotten about or just kind of used and spit up by the system. Mm-hmm. So he goes there and learns from John Thompson kind of like the, you know, here are the parts of you that are really going to work for you at a professional level and on a personal level. And here are the parts of you that could get you in more trouble and could really like heart, like, be harmful to your future never telling ai that he needs to change who he is but just in a very in a, in a in a way that all of us would hope and expect to grow and be mentored of like these are things that could really harm your future which is very bright you know but i'm not going to change who you are as a person he gets to the league same thing he gets to the 76ers and he wears his little finger sleeve he wears his armbands and his shooting sleeves and a lot of players weren't doing that at the time because they thought that they had to kind of fit into the mold of what the NBA had always been, which was like, you don't accessorize to accessorize. You do it for function. You do it for yep. a, a, a purpose. Whereas AI was like, no, I like wearing a sleeve. I like having the finger sleeve. I like having this armband. That's what I'm gonna, I like wearing the headband. I like mm-hmm. having all my tattoos. That was a, a, a newer thing. You didn't see guys with all those yeah, tattoos. Yeah, that's you know, a good point. Yeah, yeah. the cornrows before then. You didn't see guys really with cornrows. And I he, cannot think of a player that had like as many tattoos as Alan yeah, Iverson like, had before. Like Shaq, like Shaq had like his Superman tattoo, but that was kind of it. AI, I don't even know if he had that in the nineties. I think he, I think he got that later in his yeah, career, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Like I'm trying to think of a player that predates Alan Iverson in the NBA that was like tatted up, you know? <laughs> so like, yeah. and, and now that's everywhere. All the players like that because yeah. of AI. Like that's when you look at the NBA now and you see the guys with their sleeves and their headbands and their tattoos and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's because they saw that Allen Iverson was able to not only be in the league and do it, he was pound for pound the best, even still, like he is pound for pound the best player. And he did it on his own terms. He did it by being a kid from the D.C. area. He did it as yeah. a kid who wanted to have these tattoos and wanted to play the way that he played basketball rather than fitting into the system. And he succeeded in doing so. You see a lot of guys, even if they don't ever make it to the professional level, they see a guy who that was his culture and he wasn't going to sacrifice his culture and his upbringing. And ultimately to, who he is and, yeah. who, and, and who he is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just so he could fit into the mold of what the NBA was. He yeah. decided, no, I'm good enough to be here, but you're going to take me as Alan Iverson. Like you're going to yep. take me as the person that I am. That includes my culture because my culture is, you know, worthwhile and it is important to the American culture at large, which we, yeah. that's a whole other conversation of, people stealing from black culture and appropriating it. And I mean, mm-hmm. like you, you even see that, like you said earlier, the way he came to games, he wasn't wearing shirts and ties. Like a lot of guys were, he showed up wearing, you know, really baggy sweatpants and his, yeah. and his big chains and his hats and everything. Like David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA at the time, literally made a dress code because of Alan Iverson. He hated yeah. the way he thought, he thought it made them look, he thought, I think his words, but if they weren't his words, you can find people using this language at the time. It looked, you know, quote unquote, thuggish. It made them look like thugs, and that had no place in the NBA. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, kids in general, but black kids specifically mm-hmm. are seeing him do that and realizing, oh, I can chase my dream, whether it's MBA or, uh, you know, something more artistic or something more, uh, you know, business related or whatever it is. They realize like, no, I can do that without sacrificing myself at, you know, the, the altar of professionalism or, I mean, really the altar of whiteness. Like I don't have to change my culture to fit yours in order to fit in. He didn't, he didn't sacrifice any, any part of his personality. And so even this play, the step back dribble, the between the leg, behind the back, step back dribble that he makes and, and takes a shot over Tyron Lue, even that play is sort of representative of, of everything that you're talking about, Noah. And I even like, I'm thinking about that, that move, that crossover there's guys that have made that specific step back crossover dribble a part of their repertoire to the point that it, it it's almost what we know them for, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dwayne Wade comes to mind. Dwayne Wade made a career out of that step back. Chris Paul made a career out of that behind the between the legs step back mm-hmm. move. Like there are, are guys that have taken that specific dribble move that you see in this play and they've made careers out of it. And so Alan Iverson uh, gets a bad rap from a lot of people in the media, from a lot of fans outside of Philadelphia. But the guy was true to himself and changed the game in a way that we have not seen again until Steph Curry. Before we leave the press conference, I've got a, I got a question for you. We talked about how the worst things that can happen are getting dunked on and crossed up. What's the worst thing that ever happened to you on a basketball court? I've I've never been dunked on, thankfully. I, I can I can say that confidently. It, it was Jalen Rose that said he never got dunked on because he was smart enough to not get in the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was always the mentality that I had. I was like, I'm not gonna get dunked yeah, on because I'm I've, not gonna get myself in a position to even remotely I have, have been, that happen. I've been dunked in near. I've never been dunked on. Yeah. And, the, there's, and, the only, and there's been like three or four times where people tried dunking on me. And I just went up to try and block it, and it was like a, I'm gonna hit the ball, and I might foul you. Yeah. But you're not gonna dunk on me. Yeah. I have been crossed over, and I want to say something. I have a hot take on being crossed, and and being embarrassed in that way. I actually think it's it maybe getting dunked on too is honorable. I think it's yeah. honorable. I, I think gonna, I, I think what this, that I, I agree what that communicates what that communicates is that you are playing defense. You are trying, and you're going like the offensive player is going to get the best of you sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, but that, that happens. And that, yeah. Like Jalen Rose, Jalen Rose saying that he's only ever, like he never got dunked on. All that says to me is you didn't slide over and help defense. You saw right. the lane. You're right. like, ah, whatever you can yeah. go in, take a charge. You can go in and foul the dude. You can try block yeah. it, whatever. That's why the best defenders, Rudy Gobert, Dikembe Mutombo, yeah. Patrick Ewing. Every I now can, and then they I get can, I can on. find a 10 minute compilation video on YouTube of them getting yeah. dunked on. But I, also find, the, but I can also find a 10-minute compilation video of them making sure, like, getting blocked shots because they yeah. always stood their ground and decided to protect the rim or getting crossed over. All that meant is that I was guarding my man, and he beat me Ma- on the move. But you know Michael, what? That only happened once in the four quarters of this game. Yeah. And other the rest of the time, maybe he didn't cross me up. Yeah. Also, crossovers Mike, aren't impressive unless you make the shot. I hate yeah, you gotta, you it. You got to make the shot. This highlight is completely worthless because that dude still yeah. did his job. He defended you well enough. Jordan, you yeah. missed your shot. <laughs> Jordan, Michael Jordan is one of the greatest on-ball defenders in mm-hmm. NBA history. One of the greatest. Allen Iverson's maybe second most I- iconic highlight is him crossing Jordan. Like, Jordan got crossed, 
in the NBA, one of the greatest By all defenders of all time, got crossed in the NBA. It happens. Like it happens mm-hmm. when you play defense. These things are bound to happen. Wait, so, so, so when you got crossed up, what's what's the worst cross up that happened to you? You know, I can't remember like a specific moment, but I I know that it's happened, and I like sometimes they've been bad. Sometimes it's just the floor is just slippery or something. Mm-hmm. So I I also want to throw this out there. I think that there are some crossovers that are not actually crossovers. I think there are situations where a foot gets stepped on, or maybe the honestly like maybe it was just a slippery spot. What's on the that floor? like that famous James Harden step back? Where the dude falls like Weston Johnson, you know, yeah. Weston Johnson, Harden stepped on his foot. He couldn't yeah. like that's not like it's still a really cool highlight, but that wasn't yeah. because of the dribble move. It was because their feet got tangled. Now I I'm gonna say that what we just said is true, but at the end of the day, if you if it looks bad, you're gonna get shit for it. For sure, and there's nothing you can do. If you're at a park and someone steps on your foot and it looks like a crossover, but you actually just had your foot stepped on, no you're going to get shit for it. And yeah. no, you can't defend yourself. Like, that's it. You're so, going to get shit for it. There's one instance that I can think of for myself. We're playing... It was a Chicago team. I don't remember what team, but it was like a really big school. It was probably like their B or their C team, to be honest, cause it's like a huge <laughs> school and we're... Yeah, we only have one team, and we're a little farm town. But for some reason, when I checked into this game, I got stuck on their point guard. I don't know why. That that must mean that our starting center is still in the game, so he took the biggest dude, and they must have just had a bunch of guards around him. So I ended up getting stuck on one, <laughs> and he's bringing the ball up the court, and I guard- feel like I'm guarding him pretty well. And then he does a little hesitation in and out to a crossover. And I, I just bit hard on the in and out, like super hard. So I'm leaning left. I don't fall down, but I'm, I, I lean pretty hard to my left and he's in and immediately makes a shot. I'm like, all right, yeah. whatever. He got me like, this dude's like five foot seven and I'm lead footed. Like I'm not very, not, <laughs> not quick enough to stay in front of someone. Like, especially when he's that short, like if he was taller, it actually may have been easier for me. But I'm like, all right, whatever. I, I I did all I could, and he he beat me. Whatever. Next time down the court, <laughs> same thing. I pick him up. He gets across half court, and he starts dribbling on me. But and I stayed in front of him. He didn't really have anything. <sighs> he does a spin move, and it gets me backing up pretty hard. Like he like bumps me. I go like maybe yeah. two or three feet back, and he goes to pull up for a shot. So I go to contest. He fakes a pass around my back to a player that I knew had position on my big man because I saw the post up and I was like, I need to, I told myself like, hey, I might need to help off a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So he fakes a pass. I immediately turn all the way around, see that the ball is still behind That's me. That's tough. Turn yeah. back around and he must have passed it and gotten it right back because he had his dribble. So by the time I turn around, I don't think he has a dribble. I go to contest the shot. He goes right around me and I get tangled up on my feet and fall down. So like back to back possessions, he just makes me look like an absolute asshole. Yeah, and that's I brutal. Was the, like, hey, when you get someone else needs to switch with me. I can't. I cannot guard this kid. When you get got on the uh, on the ball fakes, that's mm-hmm. tough. Now I will say, if you get crossed up on a on a non dribble move, th- that's, that's that's rough. Brutal. Don't get crossed on a ball fake. Or, I, I non dribble th- move. I literally think that's that's the only time I can think of where I got faked on a ball on like a a pass. A non dribble move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's, right, that was fun. We're talking about practice. This is where we describe how we felt in four words. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice.
specifically obviously the crossover the step over dribble i'll go first actually my yeah. mine's yeah, mine's uh it's pretty straightforward this is the most iconic crossover ever uh if you ask anybody to name a crossover off the top of their head from the nba they're probably going to name this one i can't i don't know that there's another one that would come to mind it just like not a multiple choice just an open-ended name a crossover that you remember from the nba I think most people would be able to come up with this one pretty quickly. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this is not the most iconic play ever, most iconic crossover ever. Because of the step back or the step over, like if he doesn't step over Teron Liu, it's still a great play. But people are just like, oh yeah, he crossed up Teron Liu. But the step over just makes it separate, disrespectful. Yeah. yeah, it separates it. You know, we got Jordan on a uh, uh, Russell, uh, Byron Russell, Byron Russell. Brian Russell, yeah. Uh, you got that. You got that. That crossover. was a push off. That was a sure, push. I love Jordan, but sure, that was but a push off. That crossover is gonna get some 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 FaceTime. Uh, That's the other thing. Like, cross, getting cross, Kyrie's gonna have some. Yeah, getting cross is the suckiest feeling because even when it wasn't legitimate, it is always going to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. If it didn't like, get called, Brian up, Russell, if nothing got called on the court. It will forever be that you got crossed up. Yeah, Brian Russell got straight up shoved by Michael Jordan, and everybody's like, Michael Jordan crossed him. That's it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, like no, no one cares. Not, not quite. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think this is most iconic crossover because of what followed it and also just yeah. the 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 moment you know like obviously that's why jordan's buzzer beater or crossover on russell is so big that yeah. that little championship shot really, what you got what you got yeah. for your four words my four words are should have spit on him and here's why <laughs> i think it would have been don't want to play basketball with no anymore i think it would have been less disrespectful if he would have just crossed him up and spit on him and then ran the other way, but the step over and stare down, there's something about that that it's, it just instilled so much dominance for Allen Iverson. Like, if I am Teron Lou, I think I would have rather Allen Iverson just full-on spit in my face. <laughs> that would have been less demeaning and dehumanizing than me falling on the ground and you stepping over me like I don't even exist. Because one of those, you are, you are acknowledging my existence and that I am worthy of your spit. <laughs> when you step over me as if I am not there, I am less than dirt and may not even exist. And who knows? I maybe I, maybe I don't exist anyway. But that's where I'm going to go. If, if I'm Tyron Liu, just spit on me. I, I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of that take. I'm glad I brought okay. you around. We, we'll keep that one short. Let's move on to our next segment. It's called Time Out. This is where we get into try to get into the head of somebody in the stadium, on the court, wherever. Long, a two to tie. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked! He walked and the referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't have any. So I think I want to be in the head of one of the referees. I think that's where I kind of want to go. Okay. But where are, you, where are you thinking of going? Tyron Lewis feels like the obvious person to try to get in the head of. Okay, you want to go first? What so do you got for the ref? Yeah, so if I'm the ref and I'm sitting there watching it, in a lot of situations, especially in today's NBA, that probably is called for a technical foul for taunting. Ooh, I hate that. But I right. hate it. I hate it too. I think especially in that situation, and I think the ref correctly so didn't call a technical foul. I want to make that clear. I think in general, I think taunting is actually good 
Like oh, when, it's you're, great. when, when it's you great. are when you are that good, you're allowed to talk shit. If you are in high school, shut up. You're not cool. You're not good. Just play the game. You're not good. You haven't earned the right to talk shit on the court yet. When you're in the NBA, it makes it so much fun because that like brings out the competitive spirit. And that's one of the problems that people have with the NBA is that, especially in the regular season, the stakes don't really feel that high. And guys mm-hmm. kind of just are out there going through the motions. You let them talk shit, every game is going to be a battle. That, that's my two cents. Albie Dick Bavetta. I find that ref. So I'm, I'm sitting there, I watch it happen. I'm going to react in real time. I'm looking there. I go, all right, little hand check, no foul, no foul. Iverson, oh, no push off on that. That looks good. Makes a shot. Dick Pavetta immediately looks over. And I sit there and think, mm, that a technical? No. Lou, Lou deserves that. <laughs> That's not a technical. No. Well, it's too late now. The, the play is going on. That's that exactly te- that might have been a technical foul. And then the players were talking. Should I call double? T- oh, shit. Lakers just scored a bucket. Be present, Dick. Be present. That is 100% what happens. He looks, he, he 100% looks at Tyron Lou after that play, and then he looks over and he's like, oh, Ori just inbounded the ball. I gotta, I, I gotta yeah, go. Like, I, I, gotta, I gotta start counting. Dick. Yeah. But should that have been a technical on Allen Iverson? Should it have been a technical on Mark Madsen on the bench? Is it a double technical? And then by that point, the Lakers have scored, and he's like, Dick, yeah. snap out of it, dude. You are a professional referee. You gotta pay attention here. Yes, that was mesmerizing, but you've got a job to do. All right, I'm gonna get into the head of Tyron Lue. I've decided. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to think about what Tyron Lue was thinking on this possession. So they come down the court. They're mashed up. Tyron Lue's face guarding them down in the post. Uh, Al Al Iverson gets the ball on the on the wing, and I think Tyron Lue's feeling pretty good. He's he's like, I got him. I'm gonna make him. I'm gonna make him go middle. I'm gonna make him go middle. That's all I gotta do. Get him to go middle. Oh crap. Uh, he kind of adjusts on him. Tyron Lue doesn't know what to do. Al Iverson goes right. And Tyron yeah. Lue's thinking to so, himself, in River, uh-oh. Tyron Lue in this situation is thinking, I got to get him to go middle, which he means wants him going to go left. left. And instead, he goes right. Yeah. Alan Iverson kind of repositions a little bit with that, that pivot foot still down and, and gets gets is able to go right. And I think as soon as he goes right, Tyron Lue is like yelling at Like in his head, he's like telling his teammates, please shut up. Like, yeah. please, please stop egging this guy on. Like, it is hard enough guarding him for four yeah. quarters. It is overtime. Please be quiet. Uh, they keep talking. Tyron Lue goes right. It happens so quick. He doesn't know what to do. He jumps. The contest is not even a real contest. Like, Iverson's, like, a whole three feet yeah. away from him. And, honestly, I think when he lands on the ground, he looks over at his teammates. I think he looks over at his teammates and he goes, can can somebody get me out of this game? I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and it took every ounce of his being to stand back up and get back on offense. That was fun. I like I like I like getting into the mind of of the of the players on the court. All right, we got our last segment then, which is twenty seconds on the clock. This is where we each have 20 seconds to convince you, the listener, why this moment <laughs> matters and why you should care about it. I can go first. Whenever I go first, it's always like I always do a really bad job. <laughs> I think I need pressure or something. I don't know. As if 20 seconds. I was like, we, you've only got 20 seconds, bud. So. All right, let's go. 
This is important because Allen Iverson is ha- was the most important basketball player uh, until one individual named Steph Curry. So going back and rewatching this game lets you learn a ton about an entire era of basketball in the twenty in the two thousands up until the twenty tens. Man, that is really fast, and I'm not good at this anymore. <laughs> I apologize to everyone listening. The one time we did this when it uh, about the Super Bowl, I, I did a good job, and then every time since you say, well, that shot right there that you would have had at the buzzer. Go back to the end of the fourth quarter of this game, and you'll see Eric Snow do just a horrendous off-balance running three-pointer that like kind of looks like it might go in, but then hit the back iron. That's what just happened right here. It was like, yeah. that's a weird shot, Nick. Uh, no, it didn't count. Your turn. This matters because it helped show an entire generation of kids and players that they could play the game of basketball and be the person that they wanted to be, play the game they wanted to play, and didn't have to sacrifice that for a version of the game and a version of society that thought they had to be a certain way. Dude, you were killing this shit. You were Dame Lillard. This that was literally... I, I said my last phrase as it hit 20. That is... I'm proud of myself on that one. You you are turning into Dame time in real life. Dame Lillard might be my favorite player in the NBA right now, so that makes me really happy. He's like a top, <laughs> he's a top three for sure, so I'm glad yeah, to be compared to him. Right. Nice. Granted, well, you could say I'm turning into a Mario Chalmers if you wanted to, but... Ooh, that's number five. No, you that one doesn't one? count. That one doesn't... That I, counts. I never said Kansas. I let people draw a conclusion, but I uh, never made the connection myself. Are we going to start doing that? Are I never made the connection that? myself. So you can you can make subliminal Kansas references and they don't count? Is that what we're saying? I mean, I, I outright said that Larry Brown was the coach of Kansas. All I all said right, was Mario Chalmers. Right. People can put that... We'll leave that one up to the listeners. You okay. decide if that one counts. We'll leave it up to the listeners on that one. Okay, with that... That brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, uh, Noah, I am doing my darnest to find a either black or gray White Sox Tim Anderson jersey. Believe it or not, it is very hard to find those jerseys. They The white ones, the home white White Sox jerseys are everywhere. It is very hard to find the gray Chicago White Sox jerseys and the and the black ones and specifically Tim Anderson, which is bonkers to me because he's arguably the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. So that I'm excited about the White Sox right now. I'm trying to get my jersey because I just I needed to manage the jersey in my life. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm going to watch some White Sox games this week. I'm going to watch definitely going to watch the play in game between the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also, we should know Warriors by the time this episode can't play in a play in game. Uh, Warriors, Lakers, my there bad. We, uh, we should also note that by the time anyone hears this, everything that we're talking about is going to be very well outdated. But that's just where yeah. we're at. So uh, say, as uh, of as of May seventeenth, May seventeenth. This is, these are the things that we're excited about yeah. right now. So I'll say, I'll say that I'm just in general excited for the NBA playoffs. That obviously includes the playing games, but just for the entire playoff run that we're about to watch. And I'm really excited to continue watching uh, the WNBA. I'm excited that their season got going. Uh, speaking of jerseys, I kind of want to get, I'd like to get an MB Billard or my favorite, Devontae Graham. But I, re- I think I'd want to get a Brianna Stewart and an Asia Wilson jersey. Maybe an INSQ, but she's just so big that I feel like yeah. it'd be hard to find hers. But I'm working. I'm yeah. my 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 next couple jersey purchases. I want the Tim Anderson and I want the Sabrina Ionescu. Yeah. It's just that the color is so cool. If well, that's you, why I kind of want to get 
of Brianna Stewart. Not only, I mean, I do, I love her, but I just love the Seattle Storm. Like that yeah. color scheme yeah. is just really, really nice. Uh, and you got Sue Bird on that team as well. So there are a lot of, I wish I was more of a person who wore jerseys. I just don't wear them casually. So it makes it hard for me to like justify buying one. Which is why I probably you could change that, man. You be you be a you you could pull off a jersey, like as Maybe. a regular wear. You could do Maybe. it. I, I think that's where I think I would rather grab one of those t-shirt jerseys. I feel like that's yeah. more up my alley. But. No, I think you could do it. You could do the real jerseys. Okay, we, anyway. we digress. We've become a jersey podcast. Okay, that's it. We, we will did it. be back talking about some other nostalgic basketball moment soon. Or maybe not. So. Maybe it's with a guest and it's not basketball. Yeah, or maybe it's just a current topic. Who knows? Or maybe we just spend a whole episode talking about jerseys. Or maybe you never hear from us again. This is an Area Code podcast.